You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 239 with Jenny Townsend. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, before we jump into the show, I want to remind you guys, if you don't follow me on Instagram, make sure to do that. You might have followed me at my old handle, which was my name. Um, I had to let that go. Long story. Um, But I had to start from scratch, which is really, really hard. Um, But it's Mom Inspired Living. And so that way um, you can see when I post my podcast episodes. But also, if you guys don't know, I am a travel agent. And I actually just got back from Turks and Caicos last week. And it was amazing. So I posted photos um, from where I was staying at. And I, um, it's in my feed, also in my stories. So make sure to go check that out. And um, I just kind of stay more up to date um, on Instagram. And so if you want to follow me along, make sure you go there, Mom Inspired Living. Um, but today's episode, we are going to be talking about investment properties with Jenny Townsend. And I'm super excited to have her on the show because you guys know that um, I've been doing episodes about how to help you figure out careers that you can do from home. Well, this is kind of thinking outside the box, but I know that a lot of people are thinking about investment properties with the interest rates being so low or people are moving to new homes and they're considering um, renting their homes versus selling them um, and then moving into a different house. And um, Jenny just talks about how she accidentally figured out how to make six figures with her Airbnb property. And that kind of blew my mind. And I was like, you know what? I want to have her on the show. I want to talk about this. I want to share this with you guys because this could be a really great option for you guys to do this. Um, and she just shares with us too, like why moms are so good at having Airbnb properties. It's like, we're really great at making a house a home. And that's what people are looking for when they're wanting to look for a furnished rental property. And so we just kind of break down like, why are long-term rental properties different than Airbnb? And one thing that stood out to me is that they're furnished. And so you think about like even people who are trying to relocate, they may not want to have all their furniture unpacked um, so that they can live somewhere for a very short time. They want something that's furnished. And one thing too that she mentioned is that traveling nurses are great Airbnb guests. So you may be thinking, well, I don't live in an area that there's a lot of, uh, it's not a vacation destination, not a lot of tourists, but she said, if you live within 30 minutes from a hospital, it is perfect for traveling nurses. And I never thought about that. And she said that she, um, had a traveling nurse stay for 13 weeks. And so I just want you guys to kind of listen to what she has to say. And she has a course. So if you guys end up loving what she's saying, make sure to check out her website. That's all in the show notes. Um, and she will, um, talk to you about like what's in the course at the very end of the show. And then if this is something you're interested in, make sure to go check that out because it could be something that really works for you. So anyway, um, I'm super excited for this episode and I hope that you guys get inspired to just kind of start thinking about different ways that you can make money. All right, let's go to the show. Jenny, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I'm so excited to be here, Amber. I'm super excited for you to come on the show and talk all the things that we're going to talk about with Airbnb. But first, let me start with the icebreaker that I like to ask. And this is about travel. I've changed it up a little bit with COVID changing up, you know, travel and all that. But I kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel that people are now starting to travel. So I'm getting excited about that. Um, So my question to you is, where are you hoping to travel to in the near future and why? Oh, such a good question. I am hoping to travel to Arizona and specifically Phoenix, because that's where I grew up. And that's where all my family is, or most of my family. And I had a baby last year that almost none of my family has met. So I would, yeah, I just, I can't wait to see family and introduce little Claire to them. That's so fun. I love the Phoenix area. Um, I, I've gone twice in, um, kind of stayed in Scottsdale area area and, um, Mm -hmm. it's just so nice there. And it's very different when you're not used to being in a desert, you know? <laughs> right. It really is its own kind of beautiful, isn't it? It is. It is. And we went to Sedona and, and that was really beautiful. Oh and my gosh. That. And I really want to go back with my girls when they're a little bit older to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, I have a special place in my heart for that area. So that's cool that you're from there. Yeah. Yeah. So how about we jump into the show and you share with us your full name, where you live now and how many kids you have and their ages. Yes. Okay. So my name is Ginny Townsend and we live 
in what many people would call upstate New York. We live in a small town outside of New York City, about an hour outside of the city, in fact. And we have one daughter. She is 14 months old, and her name is Claire. Oh, is that Claire in the background? (laughs) (laughs) I know my husband's watching her out there. So yes, that might be her. (laughs) This is a mom show, so it's totally fine. It was funny. It was like on cue. It was like on cue. It's like you're talking about her and then I could hear her. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So Ginny, how about you share with us um, how you got to where you are today? And that's kind of going to jump into the whole show and set the foundation of what we're going to be talking about today. Yes. So even though we live in New York right now, we moved to New York State from Northern California in the end of 2019. So we haven't been here long. And while we were in California, I became an accidental six-figure Airbnb host. Um, And we, so we were living in Sacramento at the time. And my husband's job took us to the San Francisco Bay Area. And we knew that it wasn't going to be permanent. It was just training. It was with the military. And so we're like, oh, we don't want to sell the house. I don't know. And then we were thinking about all of the logistics of if we were to just rent it, like long-term rent it, we would have to pack up all of our things and pay for a storage unit because respectfully, everyone in the Bay lives in a shoebox, you know? Mm, so we're like, yeah. oh man, everyone lives in a one bedroom apartment, you know? And so like, well, and then I had this, what I think is really an inspired thought. Like, what if we could rent this place out furnished? And so that's what I mean by accidental. There was no huge strategy. It wasn't something that, you know, like took years to plan. It was like, well, we're moving to the Bay in six weeks. Like, can I figure this out by then? Um, And we were immediately booked. Like, it was insane. And so I know we were able to pretty much keep all of our furniture there. We kind of cannibalized, you know, to fill our 700 square foot apartment in the Bay, but really didn't have to buy anything to get our Airbnb set up, which I know is, is unique and um, pretty amazing. And we had that one on Airbnb for a little over three years and we had 11 days of vacancy. Wow. (laughs) So it was, yes. And so I know there was, why I even tell the story is there's so much grace or like breathing room. Mm -hmm. There's so many, there's just a high margin, um, that if you have just 50% of the things going well for you, you're going to be profitable. And then you can figure out the other things to optimize and make even more money and things like that. So while it was accidental for me to get started with Airbnb, it quickly became something that I focused on, like I said, to become more profitable. We realized really quickly that we were undercharging. And so I was like, okay, how much, how much can we increase our rates? And then, um, how far can we book out? What type is our ideal client? And kind of, you know, things like that, as we figured them out, uh, the systems became stronger and stronger and stronger. And I was, even though we were just three hours away from the property for all intents and purposes, it was a long distance situation. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. You can't get there. Like if the plumbing's gone bad. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So I had to set up the systems um, to, I mean, it could have been on the other side of the country, right? Um, And they're really just lightweight systems um, using text (laughs) of all things. But um, but it was really, really easy to manage once I figured just a couple of things out. And so when we did decide to move across the country to New York, we wanted to build in an Airbnb presence in our, in our new life out here. And we knew we wanted some space, some breathing room. We were just kind of over the bay and, um, bought a hobby farm and it has two cottages, two old farm cottages, both built in 1910 And, um, we have been kind of putting our own fingerprint Mm. on them. And the first one will be going live on, um, at the beginning of May, which I'm really excited about. And the second one, I believe a month later. That is really exciting. So let's back up for a second. Do you still have the one in Sacramento? 
No, we ended up selling um, to consolidate everything here on the East Coast. Got it. Okay. Um, so I'm curious, when you moved to the Bay Area, did you... So a lot of people might need to have the money, right, to sell a house to be able to go to another house in a different area. Um, what is your thoughts on that? Like, because you didn't know if it was going to take off right away, right? Like in the Sacramento um, right. location? Oh, yes. And frankly, at first, our thought was, well, if we can at least cover the mortgage. Mm. you know, and yep. then we didn't have to sell the house because we didn't buy in the Bay. We just rented, you know, Oh, got it. but okay. um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, we were just like, well, while we're down here, we don't know how long we're going to be down I here. Yeah. Um, can we just cover our expenses? Yeah. Um, and it be- quickly became much more than that. So I want to ask this question because I think about Sacramento, um, you know, is it more kind of like a neighborhood versus a city like the Bay and in, in, I guess in relations to um, how many people are coming to visit all the time, like what kind of atmosphere does the Sacramento right? feel like so that people can kind of get an idea? Such a good question. So there is a, like a downtown Sacramento, which you would yeah. think of is like a big California city, but we lived in a suburb. Mm. In fact, we lived at like the farthest North suburb. So we were like 45 minutes from an airport. It wasn't like a, you know, something that you have a really cool loft right, right. by the Golden the, Gate Bridge or something yeah, like that. Like, a, yeah. you know, um, and so we were just like, we have no idea who's going to stay, who would, you know, we don't know who's traveling. And that's why, like I said, you know, it was accidental. Um, but what we found was people are often moving to that area. And we had a couple people that just were relocating and wanted to physically be in that area mm. um, while they were looking at houses and just kind of get a sense. And so they actually stayed there longer um, than the typical Airbnb sure. host. Yep. Um, we also, Ooh, here is a pro tip. Okay. Um, we also had a traveling nurse stay with us. And oh. so she booked it for 13 weeks. Oh, wow. um, which is amazing. Yeah. Cause that was her contract That's with nice. a local hospital. Yes. So if someone is considering, and, um, I, I feel like I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but I feel like I want to say it while we're on this topic, yeah, sure. if someone is considering doing an Airbnb, what I always say is have a kind of, have a primary demographic that you want to serve, like who you think will be traveling. Like you're making a guess at first, but you have a backup. And so if you're within a half an hour from a hospital, I love the idea of doing what you can to attract traveling nurses because they are mm. phenomenal guests. They will really take care of your property. They're frankly never there. Yeah. That's and when true. they are, they're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and the yeah. hospital pays their rent. Oh, so it was it was nice. rent of a premium, even though they were there longer because nice. it was furnished, you know? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good point because here's the thing. I know people were high sitting here thinking, okay, if I don't live right in the main city, who is going to be coming? But that's such a good point. And, and also, I guess when you said that there were people kind of looking to relocate, you do think about <laughs> rental homes that kind of go for more six months to a year when you're trying to figure out maybe three months, um, where mm-hmm. you're going to live. Um, so how does that work in regards to it being an Airbnb versus like you're renting out a house, not for Airbnb purposes? Does that make sense? So, I mean, even though they wanted to stay longer than mm-hmm. a traditional guest, is that what you mean? Yeah. Cause you know, you, I think about like there's houses like in our, um, subdivision that they rent the homes. And so usually they're there for a year and it's usually people trying to figure mm-hmm. out if they want to live here. So I never thought Got about it. someone having an Airbnb and someone doing that. So there's, is there any yes. main differences or something that stands out to you versus people um, that might be doing more the long term? Yes. So I think that's a phenomenal question. I think what happened was we didn't even think about this demographic. They just found us on Airbnb. Oh, okay. Um, and so I don't know if the rentals that you're referring to are furnished um, and people oh, just yeah, pop maybe in, they're not. You know, yes. They, okay. Maybe they're not. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Okay. Yeah. This is why I'm asking that question. It, and that makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense what you just said. Okay. Yes. And yeah. And the, uh, something else t- that stood out to me when you were saying that um, with, you know, people may not want to actually stay six months, that they're really just trying to, right. 
they're just trying to fill that gap, you know? And, and so mm-hmm. somebody that does more long-term rental, like a six months year plus, um, they yes. may be like, I don't want to deal with that. But an Airbnb, they're so used to people being in and out, um, that that's not going to be mm-hmm. a big deal for them. I mean, that's actually kind of nice because now you're booking up more time that you don't have to worry about it. And it's the same people. Exactly. You're not having to keep turning exactly. it over. Yeah. Yes. So, and yes. you know what? Another thing that stood out to me too is um, people who are trying to build homes that they don't need it for yes. like forever, but sometimes mm-hmm. they're just like, uh, we need somewhere. Right. And, and it's like, maybe they just want to put their stuff yep. in storage. And then if the house is furnished, it's like, cool. Like we don't have to deal with that. So I just thought about that with all the new construction going the, on everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's so funny. You mentioned that that was actually our first guest was oh, people yeah. who they sold their house really fast and their yeah. new house wasn't done being built. Yes. And so they needed to get out yep. and they, but they didn't want to like buy a place, you know, move all yeah. their stuff in and then move it all out. Like they just wanted to move it once. Yeah, and that so, totally makes yeah, sense. Yeah, they were yes. for furnished rental. I know. <laughs> uh, I knew I was going to have fun so talking to you, but I'm like, Amber, stay focused. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have 20 <laughs> questions for you within a question. So, okay. My goal, my, goal, my goal with the podcast is always to try to ask the questions that people are thinking about because I don't know about you, but I've listened to shows <laughs> or, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, any, even TV shows that are like uh, interview based and you're like, no, but what about this? Oh, what about are you going to ask this? Yeah. And then they don't. And you're like, oh, like, I'm never oh. going to know that answer. <laughs> yep. Okay. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you come on is because you're a mom. And um, and I've been actually doing a series called Careers You Can Do From Home. And it's a lot of moms that are trying to figure out, like, they don't want to do the nine to five. And I think, if anything, mm-hmm. COVID, the pandemic, really changed that up for people. Because I think they realized wait a minute, like, do I really want to keep doing this life? And do I want to go into a nine to five, especially having a little bit of a taste of having the freedom of, you know, working from home and stuff like that. And so I think this is a perfect opportunity for moms, but I wanted, I wanted you to talk about why you think it's such a great opportunity, but for sure it is out of the box thinking, like it's not your norm where people are like, yeah, so you just go, you know, do this. And, and that makes sense. It's like, it really makes you think, but I think it's so exciting because I think it just can, it can really open up a lot of opportunities. So how about you share with us why you think this is great for moms and why they are uniquely um, able to be successful um, in the Airbnb economy? Such a great question. I'm so glad you asked. So I'm going to make some broad stroke generalization statements. Okay. Okay. I'm prepared. Um, Yes. (laughs) Okay. So as moms, we are focused on making a, you know, uh, like a, a, a safe, clean and comfortable home for our family. Right. Right. And we like might really love things like decorating. We might have an eye for details. We might, you know, be really great with keeping track of the family calendar. And so being able to think about how to make a house a home and to make it appealing and comfortable, that is what's going to get attention on an app like Airbnb. It's mm. the photos. Those are the things. Yes. And so um, I, the, a lot of moms that I talk with are just like, I really love the decor side. I just need to figure out the rest, you know, like yeah. I'm already shopping in my mind for like the art and the, you know, the coffee tables and the living room, like all the good stuff. And so we already know how to make a home and we are, we tend to be great with details because we need to be. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, making sure that things are stocked and by stocked, I mean, from an Airbnb perspective, mm-hmm. and yes, by the way, this is something you can totally outsource, but making sure, you know, if, if it's running low on toilet paper, that it's, that's something that's just on subscribe and save or something like that. But, um, in addition to keeping, you know, making a house a home, um, I, I know that we're just really great at that multitasking kind of um, state of mind where we can be feeding a baby and texting our friend, right? Yes. Like we can, yep. we can do both of those things. And essentially, yeah, guest communication, and again, you can always outsource this, but that's essentially you're sending a text to a friend you just haven't met yet. Mm, you know? I love that. Yeah. Questions. Yeah. And so they probably have questions like, well, you know, okay, is there, is the, is the sofa a pullout couch or something like that? It's always questions like that. Or how strong is the Wi-Fi? Because people, you know, are working from home and learning from home now. But questions like that. 
are just an opportunity for you to make a friend, make a great connection, build rapport, and then they pay you to stay at the place. Yeah. Right. And yep. so it's, it's amazing. And another reason why I think this is so amazing for moms is we don't necessarily always have to be thinking about like, okay, I'm behind on my marketing. I need to get out and do more things mm. to market because yes. Airbnb and okay, by the way, oftentimes when I say Airbnb, I do mean the whole short-term rental industry, but yeah. you know, Airbnb really dominates, but there's yes. other sites like VRBO, vacation mm-hmm. rental by owner, yep. things like that. Right. Okay. So I just want to make sure I'm t- the whole industry, yep. but they do all of the marketing for you. They bring you guests who they're looking to book. That's really the reason why people let go, you know, or they're planning a future vacation, right? As you know, in the travel industry, Um, but it's all with the intent to buy. And those are incredible, incredible um, visitors to the site. So you don't have to worry about marketing. You can just focus on making the house a home, texting friends you haven't met yet, and then just being paid automatically when they check in. Yeah. So I do want to ask you the questions that you brought up VRBO. Um, Do you advertise on both sites or do you just solely focus on Airbnb? Yes, I do on both. Okay. So there are um, some reasons that some people totally just use Airbnb. Others are solely on other sites like VRBO. Right. I, there are tools that just, they manage the calendaring. So you don't have any double bookings. And so you don't have to worry about that, which is amazing. Yes. Um, yeah, but the the thing with VRBO Mm -hmm. is it has to be an entire place. So on Airbnb, you can rent out an extra room in your house if you want, but VRBO, it has to be an entire place. So that's, I mean, yeah. I didn't even know there was that difference. Um, Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. But pretty much on Airbnb, you can list kind of almost anything. I mean, you can rent a tent, you can set up a tent in your backyard and and rent Airbnb. Wow. I know. The That's barrier pretty cool. is pretty low to entry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you um, know, yes. if you were camp, like if you were looking to go and somebody had like really amazing land, like you think about it oh, and, yeah. and you're like, Hey, like run some tents out. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have a portage on. I don't know. It depends on how rough people <laughs> want it. But you, if you were thinking about guys, right. If they're like, I know there are girls that might be yeah. willing to do this, but I think guys are more mm-hmm. willing to do that. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they want to go do a guy's trip and maybe somebody has a piece of land that's like on this amazing property and then they don't even have to worry about packing tents and all that and they're flying into that area. I mean, that's pretty cool. I, it's, it's so true. It is really great. And then the whole, just you mentioned the, like the porta potty thing. Yeah. Um, there is a huge trend of off-grid Airbnbs, by the way. So oh. that's, that's the marketing language. Oh. There's no, you know, connection to sewer. Off so it is grid. probably a composting toilet, things <laughs> like that. So we actually, our aunt and uncle, they have some land in Colorado and have a couple Airbnbs yeah. um, from RVs that they've fixed up, like nice. really kind of cool, like yeah. Airstreams, you know, yep. Yep. and they have one that's all connected to water and electricity. And then they have one that's off grid. So it has solar and composting, whatever. Oh. And this is their first year for that one. And they that's cool. Absolutely think that one will outperform the <gasps> traditional. Interesting. Yes. Based on the bookings already for this year. I so, wonder what it is. I, what do you think it is? Do you know? Did you have you asked them? Like what, so, what is making that that one more popular? I think there really is just this uh trend. It's mm. novel. Like oh, we don't yeah. live in a yes. place. Like if we live right. off grid, that would be different. Yes. You know, yes. and I think there something kind of whimsical and mm-hmm. sometimes aspirational about yeah, going like to you can do this. Like how you, <laughs> you can step into the life of someone else, yeah. but you don't actually have to commit to living off the life. grid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Wow. That is the, the, uh, mind blown. I mean, I, I hope everybody's <laughs> listening to this going, wow, I didn't even think about all these other ideas. So I think this is really fun. Um, okay. Like I said, I need to focus because people are like, I got to pick up my kids. Like I got to, I only have so much time to listen to this show. So, um, okay. So let's talk about the next thing that, um, pops up, um, for me is the upfront costs. So I I have a feeling a lot of moms are probably like, so let me just back up. So if you, you know, for you, you were leaving your Sacramento home to go rent one. So you're like, Hey, that's cool. I can just cover the cost. You weren't going and buying a, um, you know, a $600,000 home to then turn over and you're still paying your mortgage, hoping that the Airbnb is going to work out. Um, so I'm curious, like, what is your thoughts on that going forward? Um, or, 
well, you bought your farm, so that's different. So I don't know if, if you can walk us through this, any thoughts on this and, um, what you would tell people in regards to thinking about buying a property? Yes. So there are, I'm sure there are more ways than this, but I think yeah. there are five really tried and true ways to okay. get into Airbnb, um, at varying levels of cost. And so, because everyone's goals are unique, you know, some people might want to like, all right, I really want to grow my net worth. I want to actually buy, but there's other ways to get into the market with and experience the income, um, in a less traditional way. Another reason why I love this entire economy. And the first one is actually called co-hosting. Now co-hosting exists only on Airbnb. VRBO does not have this yet, but co-hosting is an owner of a property can add you on and you essentially do the, you text the friends before you've met them kind of a thing. So you manage guest communications for Mm. a percentage of proceeds. And so there is zero money out of pocket. And I actually think this is a phenomenal place for people to start. So if you know someone who has an Airbnb and um, maybe really busy, who knows, they might actually be thinking about outsourcing this anyway. Oh, reach out to them and say, Hey, have you ever thought about having a co-host to take this off of your plate? You know, we can figure out the the percentages, but like, are you open to it? And I think it's a great way to test the whole process because while an idea might sound amazing, I mean, in all honesty, Airbnb isn't for everyone. Mm. And this is a great no risk way to say, okay, oh my gosh, I love this. This is so cool. Or it's like, "Mm, no, this isn't quite for me and you can move on. So there's co-hosting is a zero entry, a zero dollar entry, but you can still have immediate cash flow. Um, And depending on your agreement, uh, so Airbnb will pay 24 hours after someone checks in. So if you have like an automatic percentage mm, paid up, yeah. you, can, you will get those funds 24 oh, hours after the guest checks in. Nice. So the more people you can book, you know, like you get paid for. Yeah. Um, then the second option is something that I've heard kind of a lot of people talking about over the last couple of years, and it's renting. And it's, some people call it rental arbitrage. So you sign a long-term rental agreement with a landlord, and then you get the proceeds of the Airbnb. So it's like without purchasing. So you don't have to have like a down payment, but you have, you know, whatever you can bring in from Airbnb minus your rent and utilities. Oh, so you're like, so um, for example, like it would be like if I wanted to go rent somewhere and then you have to make sure you can probably Airbnb it out. Yes, correct. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Definitely make sure that that's okay with the landlord. Um, I mean, Oftentimes, the biggest seller mm-hmm. to this for landlords is like, look, an Airbnb guest will never paint your guest bedroom purple. Oh, true. <laughs> you know, yes. or they will, you know, there'll be like such low wear and tear on things like laundry, the, mm. like, you know, the the washer and dryer or the yep. stoves people right. often eat out, you know, like it's, yes. so it, um, it can be a real win-win oh, and yeah. the costs for this method getting in are oftentimes first and last month's rent. Um, and maybe a security deposit. So mm. very minimal. Um, I, I have used an example before for like a $250,000 house, let's just say, cause that's like an average number across our, our nation. Yeah. That would probably be a $1,500 a month rent. So getting in with first last and security deposit would be 4,500. Oh, so okay. Versus, mm-hmm. yeah. Versus like a 20% down payment or something yes. like that. That's a big, right? So Jenny, I'm curious. So like in this scenario, um, is it that you're going to be charging more than what the mortgage or the rent is going to be because it's an Airbnb? So you will make that money and then you just pay the rent. Is that why people Mm -hmm. would want to do this and it makes sense for them? Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, yes, absolutely. Um, The margins can be so much higher for for short-term rentals over long-term. And it's for one reason. Here's the secret. Okay. <laughs> the I'm one excited secret here. is mm-hmm. it's furnished. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. That's literally it. Like you yes. find the property, you take the photos, you list it. You know what I mean? You find yeah. people or like you secure renters, whether they're short-term or long-term. Like the only thing that's different is that it's furnished. And that's, so, yeah, um, that makes a big I've, difference. 
Yes. I calculated out what that accidental six figure, um, property that we had in California, if we had, I was looking at Rentometer, which is a great resource for long-term rental estimates, rentometer.com. Okay. Um, we made 25 times the cash flow we would have as a short-term rental than if it had been a long-term rental. Oh, wow. So it can be extremely lucrative. Yeah. That yes. is really good to know. Okay. So I think you're on the yeah. second point, right? Of renting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and what's the third the next? Mm-hmm. is it, it might sound a little bit more complicated, but it really isn't. Okay. And it's more of a rent to own or a lease to own. Oh. Um, sometimes it's called a lease option. But the whole point of this is you would sign a, a lease agreement for a given amount of time, like three years, five years, whatever. It's typically longer than the rental that I mentioned in option two. But at the end of that period, you have the option to buy. So oh. It is, it's kind of a, it's kind of a hybrid between renting and buying. And what I really like about it is you determine the purchase price when you set up the lease agreement. Mm. So if, if the market goes up over those three years or whatever the lease term is, you don't have to pay any more than what you had negotiated at the beginning. Oh, I see. Um, But yes. Um, but you don't have to buy. You can just say, no, I don't want to exercise this option is actually the language. But but to get into, so that's a really brief description of rent to own or a lease to own, sometimes it's called. Typically, to get into a, a situation like that, it would be about a 3% down payment. Um, so almost kind of like an FHA loan, which is like a 3% down payment, but you can't use FHA loans for um, investment properties. Oh, so going mm-hmm. back to, yeah. So going back to my example of a $250,000 house, a 3% down payment would be $7,500. Oh, wow. And okay. then again, yeah. Then again, you would have, um, you would just pocket the money that you made over and above your rent or lease payment every month. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's really but, cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. the third or the fourth one. I think that was that's the third. the third one. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yep. The fourth, the fourth and fifth are both around buying. Mm. So more of what we think traditionally, but the fourth one has a little bit of a twist. Okay. And it is you buy using seller financing. Mm. And what that means is the seller es- essentially becomes the bank. So you um, pay them. And so the, the bank doesn't determine the down payment. The seller does. And so this doesn't work for every situation because typically seller financing works best if the seller owns it outright. Oh, but mm-hmm. if this is this is a way to get into your property with a lower down payment. So I feel like if I have to make a few more calls to find a seller financing option, if I, if this is the option I can afford, I'm all about it, right? But um, tip, okay, so every situation is different, but 10% down is not uncommon for a seller financing. Mm. So again, with our $250,000 house, that would be 25,000 down. Okay. And then the fifth, which is what I call traditional financing, that would be either 20 or 25% down. Banks just differ based on their own criteria. So that would be either 50,000 down or 62,500 down. Um, so there is a, there is a huge difference in yes. upfront costs just based on the method that you want, um, the method that you want to use. So it really is all about what you want to do. You can do co-hosting and get, I mean, you could still make a couple thousand a month co-hosting with zero entry costs. Or you can do rental or the lease option or, or purchasing. So there's just, there's so many different on-ramps, which is another reason why I love the Airbnb economy. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about, um, your, the, the seller financing, like how would you even find those people that are willing to do that? Yeah. So it does take a little bit of research and there are ways you can search, um, listings, and you can search county records for houses that are completely paid off. That would be oh, the that's interesting. Yeah, uh, one way to go. Or if you are networking with realtors, so if you know you want to buy in a certain area, just let them know this is what that you want to do, and they can keep an eye out for any that they know are paid off. 
Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the interest rates being low, but the prices being high right now in regards to people buying? It's like, do you, because, so it sounds like you bought the farm and there's two little cottages along with your house Mm -hmm. on the property. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So, so that looks very different than someone being like, okay, you know, at least here in the um, Nashville area, I mean, it is not weird to have people buying a million dollar homes and it's going 75,000 over and the person's still not getting the house, which is insane to me. Um, so, but it's because people are wanting the low interest rates, but I'm thinking, do you wait and see if it goes down, even if Mm -hmm. the interest rates go up and then you can maybe refi again? I have no idea. So I'm curious what your thought is with that, with the market just being so crazy right now and so competitive. Yes. So I think it again, just is we all have very different goals. You know, we have our, well, maybe not very different, but unique goals. We have unique situations and unique goals. I personally wouldn't buy Mm -hmm. in a market that's going up like that. Yeah. Um, but, but here's the thing. I'm not saying don't buy. There are plenty other areas in the country that would make in exceptional locations for an Airbnb that are not necessarily in the heart of a city. In fact, get this Amber. I just read an article that was published in this last week. It was put out by a company called air DNA. They, they provide a ton of research in this industry. So if again, that's a great resource for your audience, if they want to know more, they published a report about March of this year, March of 21 and the trends, you know, the state of the short-term rental market. And what they found was in small cities and more rural areas, Airbnb growth is 169% over the 2019 numbers. Wow. And so I know it's not even like, okay, all right. It, it increased over 2020. Okay. You know, like whatever, yeah, over right. 2019 numbers when this is booming. Right. Yeah. So maybe not in a market like Nashville and I'm please, this is just my opinion. I'm not giving anyone financial advice or anything, but I'm just saying there are, if you're concerned about not being able to get into a place because it's so crazy and rabid, yeah. <laughs> maybe look, you know, find a look a little further out because mm-hmm. the demand for Airbnbs is so strong, just a little outside of cities. And so yeah. I think yeah. there, there's, there's all. Well, and you know what too, like, so I'm from Michigan originally, and sometimes I've looked at Airbnbs in the suburbs to kind of just give an option to stay instead of staying at the in-laws yeah. just to kind of have a break so that we could have people come over. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I wouldn't want to do that to them and have everybody come over. Um, now this was probably two years ago or so, uh, it could be different mm-hmm. and it's harder to find that. So, you know, I think mm-hmm. because people mm-hmm. might not be thinking people might want to come in and stay in Airbnb, right. but people may not want to be staying in a hotel, especially when they're coming in to right. visit family. If they don't want to visit family or if there's not enough space, they would probably want mm-hmm. to be in a home, especially if they have kids, yes. to have more of that mm-hmm. room, have the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. So I do, I think you're right in the sense that um, it, it's going to it's gonna pull in different people for sure. And so yes. to kind of know mm-hmm. the market and stuff like that. So I think that makes sense. Yes, but there are ways to look at trends. There are ways to look at um, numbers. Like, so to can be completely objective about your research on where to look, there are trends. And what's interesting is you mentioned in this, you know, in Michigan, you it was kind of hard to find an Airbnb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the suburbs, I don't think that it's necessarily a demand issue. I think it's more of a supply issue. Right. I think maybe people don't realize, okay, I wonder yeah. if we could rent out our house when yeah. we go on vacation or whatever, and just have other people pay for our vacation. Yeah. We, um, we have, so my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they live in Texas and went on a three-week road trip this last mm. summer and just yeah. needed to get out of the heat and wanted to get away from, you know, just the normal and kind yeah. of the insanity right. of everything. Yeah. And they put, and by the way, Texas was definitely a hot zone during this time. They put their house on Airbnb and on that three-week trip, they actually profited. They made a wow. little bit more money than their vacation costs. That's awesome. 
Um, and I know, but it's not a full-time Airbnb. They just, they just list it when they plan to be out of town. So, um, there is always a way to enter. And I didn't even mention that in like the methods of getting into Airbnb, but if you ever wanted to test just like oh, yeah. renting out a room or yeah. if you have like a, a mother-in-law suite, or if you you know, you're going to be out of town for a month or something like that and just try listing it on Airbnb, you never know. You yeah. never know. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, for sure. And another thing is because we're getting close to the end of the show, I wanted to ask you um, two more questions. The first one is, what Mm -hmm. do you think COVID in regards to impacting the market in regards to Airbnb and all that kind of stuff? Like what, what did you notice, especially um, moving during, well, you moved right before that. So do you feel yes. like it changed? And I know, I know they really blasted the whole, like the cleanliness, the cleanliness and everything having to, you mm-hmm. know, um, change in regards to that. So, but what else is, what else is your thoughts in regards to COVID and, and doing Airbnb? Yes. So broad strokes, kind of what happened in 2020, it weirdly was a banner year for Airbnb hosts in some regions. And then, you know, in the more suburb, smaller cities and towns and more rural was a banner year. Um, and it still is just a banner year for those Airbnbs. Whereas it's been a little bit more difficult for the hosts that have more downtown urban and like the densely populated areas. Oh, those properties have been the ones that have suffered because people have kind of been fleeing. (laughs) Yeah. They don't want to be so close to each other. Yeah. They want more space. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And then something else, a trend that definitely emerged was that really backed this point of small towns and cities about like an hour outside of larger cities is people would still vacation, but within driving distance. So they didn't necessarily fly, but if they could drive somewhere, it became an option. And, you know, while we both hope that, Mm -hmm. you know, travel fully comes back, it's something to think about. If you're within an hour or so of a really big city, that might be a really valuable place um, for people to come, um, you know, and stay, just kind of get out of the city. Yeah. Um, even once we get back to a more normal, normal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Yeah. And that is true. I mean, so many people are doing road trips. I know I, we do road trips generally, but like it, it, I think it just pumped it up a little bit more. And I think people who normally don't do road trips were really like, where can we go in a three hour radius? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that did change the dynamic. So I, again, it's just thinking about it differently where I don't, I, I do think people would have actually just thought, well, I have to be in the downtown kind of like what you said. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. loft view or loft, uh, apartments with, you know, water views or city views. And, and it's interesting that you're saying, yeah, those are the ones who got hit, uh, just because of COVID yes. not saying going forward, but that is really mm-hmm. interesting. And so, um, Jenny, we're almost at the end of the show, but I do want to ask you this. And I wanted to ask you to kind of go over your, um, your situation with your farm and your two cottages and how you actually found that. And did you know that you wanted to try to find something like that? And I'm thinking how easy would that have been to find a house with two little cottages? So, so keep that in mind. And then I also want to ask you, a lot of people are probably thinking this is going to be a lot of work. So I'm curious, um, did you have a property manager? Would you ever have a property manager? Are you like, no, I like handling all of this. So if you can kind of just talk about your situation, especially as you are going to open up your, one of your cottages soon, um, just share with us like how you went about that, how you had the vision to even think let's, let's get with a lot of property and get multiple places that we can rent out. I, I would love to hear this. Yes. So it was really because of the success that we found in California. We, we had proven the model accidentally and we're like, okay, so what if this is a way that we can gain financial independence much sooner than perhaps with like the longer term rental strategy. And so we started looking for places we wanted, we were, like I said, we were sick of the Bay. We wanted some elbow room. (laughs) We just wanted, we knew we wanted to be a little bit more in the country. And so we, we found this place that needed to have, like a lot of the land needed to be cleared. It had been overgrown. And so I think people just looked at it and saw problems and drew my husband and I, we looked at it and saw potential, like, oh, like man, this that's would awesome. be so easy to, yeah, to really turn into an Airbnb. And, and one of them, um, one of the properties was almost turnkey. We painted it. 
Um, and then, you know, had to furnish it. And actually the, what's so interesting, we thought for sure this would be the, the unit that ended up on Airbnb first, but because of all of like COVID related delays, we wanted to put an HVAC system in cause it was, you know, there wasn't one. Oh yeah. Um, and that has been the delay. We've just been waiting on that for a few months. Um, but the thing is you don't like to get into something like this. You don't have to put in a ton of work, you know, oftentimes like with this situation, oftentimes, frankly, (laughs) there are HVAC systems in places that you buy. Right. But we, all we really needed to do other than that was paint, you know? And it was because we knew we could charge more with like walls that weren't a dark purple, you know, like that's just, (laughs) it needed to change. Um, and so we brightened it up with lighter paint And then it looked amazing. It looked shiny and brand new. So there really doesn't need to be a ton of renovation costs. I mean, if you find a property and you're willing to put in the work, you find a great deal or seller financing or whatever the situation is right. Um, I think this is a great long-term strategy, but then, um, so there's, there's that part of it, but we, if I had to do it all over again, we would do the exact same thing because finding a place that even had a guest house attached to it, I think is a huge, huge, um, value add because it would be a separate dwelling that, um, that you could still put on Airbnb and probably cover your mortgage. Mm. Um, we do anticipate that for at least three quarters of the year, these two Airbnbs will cover our living costs. I keep coming back to like, I keep doing the research, you know, like month after month, I compare the ones in the area. I compare the average rates, you know, like I I have a system for doing that now that's really fast, but it keeps actually strengthening. Um, and so, um, I would absolutely do this all over again. Um, but I just, I don't want to intimidate people because we did do a little bit of renovation that that has to be a part right. of this journey. Yeah. And I'm curious, so you're an hour out of the city. So who are mm-hmm. you hoping to target that are going to come to you? Because again, people might be thinking, oh, you're not in the city, but we just talked about people are trying to get into open air mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. now that you knew, or now that you know, like who came to your Sacramento, um, you know, Airbnb and you're kind of like, Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't think these people would come, but that's good to know. So who do you have in mind for these properties? Yes. So, um, I think that we are making these pretty family friendly. Yeah. Even though they'll be beautifully appointed, you know, they're, it's, they're decorated for the parents, but they'll have the amenities for the kids. Right. <laughs> um, because another trend that I've seen, um, especially last fall and this spring, is that people are not waiting necessarily for summer vacation or winter vacation or spring vacation to travel because we're learning remotely and we're working remotely, a lot of us. Um, So people tend to take trips to just get away and work and live and learn from a different location. So I anticipate small, like younger families coming to just be out of the city. Yeah, yeah. Um, We have a lot of wineries and breweries in the area. So I know that will be a natural draw. And there is a Legoland opening up this year, very close to us. Nice. So we absolutely anticipate that this will affect not only occupancy. Um, so like the percentage of nights per month being booked, but also the night, the nightly rate. Yes. Um, that is exciting. Yeah. yeah. This is the Legoland part. It is really exciting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is going to pull in so many different people. So that is really fun. Yes. Yes. Well, and as we, as we close, so I just wanted to just touch on, um, the whole managing the property and having a property manager and all that kind of stuff and just getting your thoughts on that. Yes. Well, here's the thing. If you don't want to manage it, what I love about Airbnb properties is oftentimes they are lucrative enough to be able to just afford a full service property manager. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas with a long-term rental, there might not be that margin. You might be like, oh man, I might be losing money each month, yeah, you know, true. or barely breaking even. Um, oftentimes full service property managers are well within, like you're still very profitable, but you can also just outsource or delegate pieces of it. So clearly I would recommend cleaning, just outsource that, you know, that'll, that'll free up your time and just, just do it. And you're going to be helping another business in the area by providing that work too. So it's, I mean, just do it. But then you can also, there are tools that use, 
Um, this is going to sound weird, but believe me, it's incredibly effective. You've probably already had conversations if you've been on Airbnb or Airbnb mm -hmm. with this before is artificial intelligence. Um, and so you kind of set up uh, like commonly asked questions oh, into mm -hmm. this software. Yeah. And when people ask, it will, you know, like, hey, I, I can't find the Wi-Fi password, which, by the way, will be the most commonly asked question. <laughs> um, I, I believe it. it will. Like, yeah. So the system that costs $18 a month for for two Airbnbs, like so up to two Airbnbs, it will message your guests and potential guests within 30 seconds. Oh, wow. That's yes, really cool. With the data that you've given and you can. Yeah, it's. It is so smart. It is so effective. It's incredible. So for $18 a month, you can outsource the whole communication. That is really neat. Yes. Yes. Which is probably, I'll be honest, about 80% of the workload once you have it live, um, mm. which is why I also think that co-hosting piece that I mentioned earlier is yeah. so valuable. If yes. you can take that off of someone's plate, oh yeah, um, that would really, you're adding a lot of value. Yeah. Well, and speaking of value, because I know you've talked about that mm -hmm. you have so many systems and you have figured out kind of like, you know, yeah. what you've learned and, and, and how to figure out different things. Um, I know you have a course, so why don't you share with us um, what is in the course? And then you can share the link to where people um, can go. I'll put it in the show notes and then that way they can check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for mentioning it. I have created a program that I wish I had when I started. And that mm. was the whole mind, like the framework that I walked into outlining and creating everything. Like, what would I have known? What do I wish I would have known? And it's called the six figure vacation rental roadmap, how to find, furnish and fill a profitable short-term rental. So in it, I help like kind of set up like, what are your goals and how many vacation rentals or short-term rentals would you need? Oftentimes you can hit your goal with just one rental, which I think is amazing. I don't know anywhere else in real estate that you can maybe even be financially free with one rental. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, but I walk you through how to figure that out. And then from there, I walk you through how to validate the market that you want to be in. So if you want to buy in your own kind of neighborhood or backyard, how to take a look at the numbers objectively to say, all right, there is enough demand. I can charge enough. You know, it'll, it'll be booked out statistically enough to make a healthy profit. So I show you my processes and tools for that. And then I, I walk through in more detail about um, actually gaining access to the property, whether it be through renting, leasing, buying, all of that on the different methods. Obviously, I couldn't go much deeper than I did um, today on that, but just how to approach all of them and find uh, partners to help you with that. Um, but then we have the really fun section of furnishing it, but it's also, it's like you're furnishing it to have an ROI. And so it can be kind of a tricky way, um, kind of a tricky thing to approach once you're actually there. Like, okay, I don't want to overspend, but I don't want to underspend. What mm, are the things right. that really will stand out and get me good reviews and things like that? And so I walk through how to approach furnishing and then filling the short-term rental. So that's creating a listing that stands out, you know, how to have the systems in place so you don't have to be the, the bottleneck of like communicating with guests or even booking cleaners that can be done automatically, all of those systems set in place will help your guests have such a great experience and help you have a great experience. And if your guests have a great experience, they'll give you five stars, which will get you more bookings and more bookings. And it's this beautiful, virtuous cycle. So I walk you through, it really is a complete roadmap um, from start to finish uh, to have a profitable short-term rental. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And for those of you guys who are interested in checking out Jenny's course, you can go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash rental roadmap. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was so fun talking to you. And I think this is just going to open up a lot of people's eyes on other ways to make income and um, start checking out rental properties. Thanks for having me, Amber. I had a blast. See you next week. <laughs>